Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together. I need you to sing loud. Is this just me? He led me out. He led me out of the desert. Brought me into the streams, river of living water. Turned my bitter into sweet, and all my burdens are lifted. He took the shackles off my feet. Yeah, there's no sound louder than the captive said free. You know what? Sing it out. Turn to your neighbor, welcome them to church.
It's good to be in the house of the Lord. What are we building our lives on? We're going to sing about that this morning. Sing worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
Just lift your voices. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we We're so thankful for your presence that we feel here today, God. Lord, let us never forget that we was created, God, to give you praise. God, that when you breathe your breath into our lungs, God, it was so we could have a relationship and honor and worship you. Lord, I ask that you continue to allow your presence to be in this place, God, as we bring forth the word. You can be seated this morning. And you're going to see all these people leave. It's not because they realize that JW is not here and I'm preaching, I promise. Well, at least I don't think it is. Just a couple of things before we get started I want to remind you of. Uh, we've been on a 21-day fast here, and we're going to end that with a night of worship, and that's going to take place on Saturday uh, February 5th at 6 p.m. We want to invite you to that. We believe, and we've had these before in the past, and it's always such a wonderful experience. Uh, we're believing God to do some great and awesome things in that service. We just, there's, there's really no preaching or nothing. We just gather together as a body of Christ and have a time of worship. Um, so we definitely want to see you all there Saturday, February 5th at 6 o'clock. Also, how many has ever been here and heard us talk about life groups? If you've been here for a little bit of time, you've heard us talk about them a lot. We believe in life groups. That's what our, our makeup and the way we, we do church is we believe in life groups. We believe in forming relationships, and uh, we're getting ready to start off some new life groups. And with that being said, we're going to have what we call our Life Group Expo. Um, that's going to start the night of that night of worship on the 5th. And it's going to carry over into that next Sunday. And basically what this is is the leaders of life groups are going to be there with some information of when they meet, what their group's about, and you can just kind of walk around, talk to different leaders, and find a group that matches what you're looking for, because we want it to be a personal experience. We think that everybody should be able to find a life group that they are able to enjoy and be a part of. We also have our big soup cook-off coming up for the big game. Um, we'll find out who is going to be playing in that today. Um, so that's going to be February 13th from 6 to 10 o'clock. And if you're interested in helping with that, or, or putting in a, we usually do some kind of, we're doing a soup cook-off and some chili. 
uh, we usually do some prizes for the best, um, the best soup. Um, so if you're interested in putting food in or helping decorate or just want to be a part of that, see Shelby, she's downstairs, or you can see myself. Um, and then lastly, we want to thank you for your continued giving. We cannot do any of this stuff. We cannot do church. We cannot do ministry without you all, and we're so thankful for uh, your giving. If you want to contribute and want to give, we can do that on our app, on our website, or we offer uh, some boxes in the back where you can put cash in or whatever, however you feel comfortable. So this morning, I want to close out the series that we've been in called Just Live. We've talked about how God wants us to live by faith. And we've talked about things like living with vision. And one week we talked about living boldly. Uh, Last week, Pastor J.W., he covered living a guilt-free life. This morning, I get the honor, and it doesn't happen all the time, but I really find it an honor to end series. Not that I'm sick of it and I'm glad they're over, but I find it an honor that something we've been preaching and investing our time and the word into you all. And as a church, we've grown through a series. This is the end. This is the moment that everything we've talked to you about kind of comes together. And it's an honor that I get to do that today um, and be with you all. But we're going to talk today about and finish this series about living life moving forward. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Hebrews 10 and 38 says, But my righteous ones will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the ones who shrink back. Now, I mentioned this morning during the first service, I I told him, I said, I know when people get that bulletin and give some sermon details, and it has Pastor J.W. or Pastor Aaron or Pastor Brandon, when they see my name, they think, okay, we're going to hear some childhood stories of Brandon and how big of a terror he was to his siblings, or we're going to hear some veterinarian stories, or we're going to hear some good old mother-in-law stories, or, you know, you, you expect to come to laugh. And I, I hope you're not disappointed this morning, because we got a, a little bit of a serious sermon today. It's, I don't want to call it dark, but it, it's very raw. It's very true. That's some things that, that we want you to understand by moving forward. See, if we're going to move forward in, in things like our marriage and in our careers or in, in, our, in our life and our business, it only happens one way, and that's by faith. So what is faith? Faith is obeying God when it doesn't make sense. And how hard can that be sometimes to, to truly have faith when things are going on around you and it doesn't make sense to put your faith in a God that you may feel like is failing you? Believing what he says, even when it's hard. See, the scripture refers to the term shrink back. And that simply means that God wants us to be moving forward, not to reserve ourselves or to hold back, that we have to continue no matter the circumstance, no matter what's going on, God expects us to move forward. Even when our life seems like it's crumbling around us, God expects us to move forward. He says he takes no delight in shrinking back. He takes no delight in holding back or staying put or going backwards. That only by faith we move forward. See, God's saying if you're not going forward, it's not going to please me. If you quit and say I can't go on, 
It's not going to please me. And he's writing to a group of people here who have just started really seeing some of the first persecutions of Christians. They're beginning to lose their stuff and, and people are beginning to, to rob them and, and hurt them and all because they are God's people. See, they're having their goods taken away from them and all these things are happening and many are saying it's just too hard to move forward in these circumstances. I find myself saying the same thing. I, I, I find myself saying, God, last year was so hard. If this year is anything like last year, I don't want to go forward. How many can agree with us that last year was a hard year? And, and we don't want to, to go into life knowing, but what if this year was going to be even harder? We still have to move forward, and that's a hard concept to understand. So how do we move forward when it's hard? See, it's easy to move forward when things are going our way. It's easy to move forward when God's answering prayers and, and things are is easy in life. But how do you move forward when your marriage is tough? How do you move forward when your relationships with loved ones are done? How do you move forward when, when your business has tanked or you, you've been let go of your job and, and finances and bills are stacking up and it's just overwhelming you and you feel like you're drowning? As I mentioned, we're in the middle of a 21-day fast and we've done that ever since I've been at this church going on seven years. We've always had a church come together, done a 21-day fast, and it's wonderful as being on staff and being a pastor here, we get to hear some testimonies of what God's done. I've heard of people's lives being completely transformed, things happening during this fast time. But let me tell you something that those are great and that's wonderful and I'm, I'm so thankful when God does those things and we sacrifice the time and, and, and we, we pray for things to happen and move in our life and that happens. But not everything we fast for and pray for is going to come to pass. From my, from my point of view, and there's things in my life that has taken years that I've prayed for and believed God for and I've waited and I've prayed for loved ones and friends, and people in my life, for God to bring them out of something. And, and, and there's times that I feel like, God, do you even hear what I'm saying? Because it's so delayed. I have grandparents that I've, that I've watched my entire life believe and pray for decades for things to happen, for their loved ones, for my, for my aunts and my uncles and, and their kids to be saved. And I've watched them pray, and I've watched them cry out to God, and I've watched them, th them fast, and they're still waiting. See, I'm not here to tell you that everything's going to be okay, and I'm not here that everything I believe for, I want you to know that everything I've even believed for hasn't happened yet. There's some things that I've seen no change in my life, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So Habakkuk 2 and 4 says this. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. He's saying that if you're living by anything but faith, it's not going to work. If you're living on self-reliance, if you're living on your education, on self-confidence, all these things that it's good to have, but if that's what you're trying to move forward with, it takes faith. You will not move forward without it. I want to talk to you this morning about a man. We're going to talk and we're going to cover the whole book of Habakkuk uh, back and forth today. We're going to jump around a little bit. There's going to be a lot of scripture, so just bear with me. 
he was facing an awful situation in his life. He was facing termination of life. And not only was it a time where he was facing termination of life, but even worse, he knew about it. When something bad is getting ready to happen or something bad is happening, and you know that it's, and then on top of that, you know that it's not going to get any better. That's a whole new thing. How do you move forward knowing that you're going into another storm? And this storm is greater than the one that you just came out of or the one that you're still currently in. How do you move forward when it's hard? How do you move forward when you answer the phone and the doctor tells you that it's not okay? When the doctor tells, tells you that the, the cancer has now moved to your lymph nodes or, or you're holding the hand of a loved one that's passed away? How do you hold on and move forward when your business has tanked? How do you move forward when it seems unfair and unjust? See, even though God says he's, he is a just God, sometimes it doesn't make sense. So we're going to close this series today by looking at Habakkuk. He wrote in the Bible between 640 and 610 B.C. And during this time, we could consider it to be one of the darkest periods in the history of Judah. See, during this time before this, like during his father's time and his grandfather's time, about 80 to 100 years before, an empire had came in and ethnically cleansed their 10 of their tribes. This would be like uh, us losing all of our states but, but two in the United States. Someone coming in and forcing uh, people into slavery, forcing them to deport or to, to even kill them. Ten of the tribes were gone, were, were completely wiped away. His grandfather threw, or lived through this, and their people were coming out of this. Now he's sitting here, and he's crying out to God over this injustice. And when you come to first, verse 1, he, he has this complaint. Habakkuk uh, 1, verse 1 and 2 says this. The Habakkuk the prophet saw... O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? For cry to you violence, and you will not save. We would go on, jump down to four. It says, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you, that, would, that you would not believe if I told you. So have we ever felt like justice is paralyzed? When you look around and, and you know that maybe you feel like you're treated unjustly. So you, don't, you feel like you do not deserve what's going on. You know, sometimes we look at our current situation and we look at things in our lives and things in the darkness and the brokenness and all these things that maybe surround us and we kind of can say, you know what? I put myself in this situation. Choices that I made, sins that I've, that I've allowed in my life or bad decisions and bad choices I've made has brought me to where I am. But you know, sometimes that does happen. But it's a whole other thought and a whole other thing when things are happening to you and you didn't bring it up on yourself. It's different when, when you find yourself living for God and trusting God and, and, and having a relationship with him and still things seem to come against you. 
And this is what Habakkuk is saying. His, his whole country is dying. We are losing our stuff, and, 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 the, and men are taking our infants. It talks about this, the ruler at this time was literally taking infants, and he was throwing them into fires as sacrifices to false gods. Church, we think we live in a dark and evil time now, and I believe that, and I believe that there are stains in this nation, there are stains in this world that, that are dark and evil that we don't even know is going on. But this is right here is a whole new level of darkness, and right in their face, a man throwing infants into a fire. And he says, God, how long would you look at this very thing? How long would you look at what I'm facing and not help? How long would you look at what I'm facing, God? The one when, I, when my loved ones has cancer and, 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 and I can't find any happiness in my life, God. How much longer would you look at when my, my wife is struggling or my husband is struggling, God, or my kids are struggling? What is taking you so long? Where are you? These are all things we find ourselves asking. And I know that, you know, I was brought up in a, in a church that was kind of taught, you don't question God. You don't, you don't question God. You don't, you, don't want it, you don't ask these questions. But, you know, it's, this is a natural human thought. God, where are you? So how do we move forward when, you're, when your world is crumbling? How are we supposed to move forward in faith and in joy when it just seems to be unjust? When it seems like God doesn't hear your prayers and, and who can praise him during that? See, it's easy, as I said, to praise him when everything's going okay. It's easy to worship God when you're, when you're up and, and everything else is going good and he's answering prayers and your life is going great. It's a whole other matter to praise him in spite of the fact that it's not. So how do we go forward? What do we do? Habakkuk 5, or 1, 5, and 11 says, Look among the nations and see. Wonder be astounded, for I am doing work in your days that you would not believe if I told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than, than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come from violence. All their faces forward, they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the, the wind and go on guilty men whose own might is their, own, or is their God. So my answer, God's answer to what's bothering him, when he comes and says, I have a complaint, God, we're struggling. We need you. God, where are you? And God's reply was this. His answer to him was, what, you know what's bothering you is that, and now my response is, is, it's going to get worse. I'm going to destroy your country. At this moment, Habakkuk was, was so stunned 
Can you imagine crying out to God and you're, 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 you're giving your complaints and you're talking to him about how you feel like your life is unjust and unfair and this is the response. We continue uh, chapter 1, 12 through 17. So this is what he says. He says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as judgment and you, O rock, have established them for a reproof. You who are a pure eyes then to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his, in his dragnet so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them, he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? How can evil prosper is what he's saying. How can you tell me and, and that, that you're God and that you're righteous and, and look at all the wicked that's happening. I raise my kids and I, and I look to the ungodly and my kids are struggling and theirs seems to prosper. It makes no sense to him. In his mind, this is a holy God that, 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 he, that hates wicked and that, that says he protects the righteous. Habakkuk finds himself shaken the pain, and, and it doesn't seem fair. He, he has this pain in his body, and it doesn't seem just. It doesn't seem fair that, that, she, that my loved one died. And it, like, go, go, we, we say these things, and we, we all go through things, and I can't stand up here and pretend that I know what you're going through. It doesn't seem fair when my daughter or my son is still dealing with depression and anxiety. It doesn't seem fair when my, my loved one or my wife or my husband seems to be losing their memory. We've been believing so long for this to happen in our lives, and God, where are you? I've fasted, and I've tithed, and I've prayed. God, where are you? Listen to me. I want you to understand something. It's okay to feel this way. I truly believe the only people who have never been uh, disappointed or felt disappointed in God is those that's never trusted him. I want you to understand that. I'm going to say it one more time. Only people who have never, or only people that have never felt disappointed in God is those that has never put their trust in him. See, we are a human, and, and there is a mystery to it. But finally, Habakkuk 2 and 1, we get a little bit of answer. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He goes back and says, I have a complaint, God. You're not fair. This isn't just. God, I, I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly today. Ever feel like that? Ever feel like, God, this makes sense and it doesn't add up? So we, 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 we you sowed and you've not really reaped what you've sowed. The Word teaches us to do all these things, and his complaint Habakkuk's complaint 
is, God, it's unfair for the righteous to be judged by the wicked. He says it's unfair that you would use a nation that violates every principle that you stand for to destroy one that loves you. To destroy people that just because they're struggling, it's unfair that their kids turn out like that when they didn't even know you or love you, yet mine are struggling. It's unfair we are serving you and one of my loved ones have passed away. I really believed, and it was hard to believe, but I really believed, and I, I put myself out there and I thought, I'm not going to ever do this again because I've been hurt before. And I tried again, and now look at me where I'm at. I'm here. It makes no sense. I'm struggling. Where are you, God? How do I move forward when it's hard? How do I not shrink back, as the scripture talked about? How do I not go and turn and decide that I'm not no longer going forward because I'm afraid what lies ahead? I'm not going to trust in God. I'm not going to rely on him, and I, 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 I kind of just pull back from him. How do you keep going when you feel sucker punched? We feel sucker punching, and, and honestly, not by the devil, but by God. It's a, it's a crazy concept to think about, but we've been there. I've been there. I know people that, that's been there that you feel like you've been portrayed. You feel like you've been, you've been punched in the gut. And sometimes it feels like it came even from God. See, but God comes with two promises. Continue to read in Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4. It says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and make it plan or plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still, the vision awaits its appointed time. It, ha or it haste to the end. I will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. I will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. See, he's saying no matter how long it takes, be patient. God can, can seem sure or can really seem delayed sometimes. And then by doing so, sometimes we begin to get puffed up with pride and, and we begin to try to rely on ourselves and we rely on, on, on money or we rely on things that are not of God. We can't move forward that way. If we continue in the same chapter, verses 15 through 17, it says, Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beast that terrify them. For the blood of the man and violence to the earth, to the cities and all whom dwell in them. So finally, he's, he gives what's going to happen. He's, he allows them to know this isn't going to go unpunished. 
These things that's going to happen to you, I am going to judge them. I am going to punish them. There is going to be some kind of uh, repercussions to what's happened to you. But here's the problem. We don't see this take place. This is a prophecy of what's going to happen. And it doesn't take place until Daniel 5. This was 100 years after the prophecy was told. So the good news is I'm going to fulfill the prophecy. The bad news is you may be in heaven when it comes to pass. God tells him, your nation's going to be wrecked. The nation that you've loved, the nation that you cried over, you prayed over, it's going to be destroyed by an unrighteous army. But in the end, I am going to use it for my glory. My glory is going to return. I'm going to judge them. So you may not see it or may not live to see it, but it's going to happen. See, this word hits him so hard. Thinking about his children and and his grandchildren, his family and his friends, he describes his response in God's word in just a minute. He talks about the stress and the anxiety. We're going to read that in just a second, but he talks about how it affects his body. If you've ever been stressed to the point and have terrible anxiety and, and something happens so dramatic and so traumatic that, that it affects the way your body operates. It affects your breathing. It affects uh, your joints. Where it's gotten so deep in your body that it's affecting your system. That's what happens here in Habakkuk 3 and 16. It says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of the trouble to come upon people who have invaded us. You can hear his disappointment and his sense of injustice here. He wanted God to, to intervene now. And that's, that's, just, that's human nature. When I pray for something... I want to be able to have the, the kind of faith and the power when I pray for something that in that moment it, it takes place. I want to be able to see loved ones and I want to be able to see things in my life change that I've prayed for immediately. But God comes back and says, I'm going to deliver you from your situation. But it's not going to be on your time. And you're going to go through a lot of pain and you're going to go through a lot of destruction and you're going to go through a storm like you've never seen. And in the end, my glory is going to come through. He was so stressed. But he says, despite my stress and my anxiety, I will wait. That's powerful. See, his worry, his stress... It affected his joints. I've heard people talk about having situations and of, of stress and anxiety giving you the symptoms of arthritis. That you become so stressed, it affects the way you breathe. And, and he, 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 how do you go? The scripture in the same verse, he goes from that level of being stressed to a quiet soul waiting. How do you go forward when you don't want to? And how do you go forward when you just got this awful news of what's going to happen and, and what, you, what you're getting ready to go through. When you don't like what the next phase is and what the next, the next level is going to be, 
You know it's going to be painful. How do you do that? How do you go and not shrink back? Habakkuk 3.19. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with strings and instruments. How does he go from a body that is trembling, a body that is weak, a body that is in physical, emotional pain, to running up mountains? What kind of transition in your soul has to take place from trembling legs to mountain climbing legs? What gives you that mountain climbing kind of faith, no matter what is happening with your, with your spouse, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's happening on your job, whatever you're going through, what kind of faith and how can we get that kind of faith? See, we always try to do things on our own and we try to, to control things that is out of our power, like our circumstances. But here's the key. This is how he got there. This is what I want you to understand today. We go back a little bit and we go to Habakkuk 3, 17, reading through 18. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, or or the produce of the olives fell, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. We just heard everything. Even though they're, they're, he says, even though they are seeing no fruit produced, there's no animals in the stall, or we are, we are, we're dying and, and we're being destroyed in the midst of all of these things. Yet I will still rejoice for the Lord is good. And that's the key. Even though I didn't get what I prayed for, what I believed for, what I wanted, even though I, I didn't get what I fought for, I'm going to rejoice in you. Anyone can rejoice when things are going good and God has given you what you want. It's a completely different thing to rejoice in spite that he hasn't given you what you need or what you want. I've, he's saying, I've lost everything but I'm going to rejoice. See, we got to understand that, that praise is the key. Praise, especially a sacrificial praise, produces extraordinary power. Praise will change your life. See, it, it, the greater the praise is, the sweeter the savor to God. The greater the sacrifice of praise, or the sacrifice, the greater the savor is to God. See, why is savor so important? If we read in the Old Testament, when they used to, to offer up the sacrifices, it says that God savored. See, it's hard to praise when things are going wrong, but, but when we get to that point of mind, our mindset of where we decide we're going to sacrifice some praise, even when it's hard, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems so painful, and when things are crumbling around us and all we can see is darkness, and we decide, you know what, even through that, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to give you a sacrifice of praise. The more and the greater the sacrifice, the more powerful 
it is. The harder it is to praise, the more powerful it is when you do it. The tougher it is to praise, the more powerful it is when you do it. See, and praise him because God is still good. Even when we're going through these things, we praise him because he's still God. He's still good. He's still merciful. Because we don't understand, it doesn't mean that that he has changed. Just because we don't understand his ways doesn't mean he's still not our father. Just because we don't understand what we're going through doesn't mean he's not worthy of our praise. And when we praise him even through our circumstances, our circumstances may not change, but when we decide to praise him through him, we will. We may not get what we need, see, but praise is like the, the reset button to our soul. When I, growing up, I've sung in churches my entire life, and different churches, and one thing that seemed to be happening there for a while was I used to sing at a lot of funerals. And there's always different kinds of funerals depending on the family and the situation and, and what's going on. And, you know, I've seen families where everybody's devastated and they're sad. And, but I've seen families where it's still a sad situation. People are sad that they're gone, but they're also shouting and they're rejoicing because they know that their, their loved one has got to where they wanted it to go. And, and they, they have made it to heaven and they're no longer in pain. But one that sticks out in my mind is when I was in high school, I used to work for the school in, in their culture arts center. And I would do their media. I'd run like the sound for plays and choir concerts and people would rent that facility and I would be the one that would do the lights and the PowerPoints and, the, and run the sound, stuff like that. So I had a little, that was my, my very first job. And I probably was, i say maybe a sophomore in high school and we had a, a death in our school. A student ahead of me, one year ahead of me, had been involved in an accident and had passed away. And due to the size of her funeral, they decided to have it there at the school, and uh, they used the culture arts center, so they came to me and asked me, will you run the picture slides, and will you run the sound, and stuff like that. And it was one of the most sad, sad things I've ever been a part of. I watched friends from school and 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 all these people come around and, and weep. And I watched uh, all these people that I was in the hallways with. I knew a lot of times what their story was, what kind of lives they lived. And I see them there, and they're upset, and they're crying, and, you know, they, they're mad and, and had every right to be. But then I watched the parents walk in and walk up front, and I watched them hold one another and weep over their kid. I watched the grandparents come in and walk from the back and, and get them from both sides to their grandparents and even a set of great-grandparents hold each other and weep over the loss of their grandchild and great-grandchild. That's not the way life is supposed to be. You're not supposed to outlive your children. You're not supposed to outlive your grandchildren, and especially your great-grandchildren. But they're holding each other and they're weeping, and I can't imagine the pain that they're going through. I can't imagine the distress and the, the brokenness that they feel. And they sit down and they begin to have the funeral service. They play some songs and, and the minister speaks and classmates speak. And at the end they play a song and I can't tell you what the song was. I don't remember. But what I do remember 
was when they began to play this song that those parents and those grandparents stood to their feet and they raised their hands and they praised and worshiped their God. And the power, the people inside are looking. The student body is looking and, and other family members are looking and you can tell that they're saddened and you can tell they don't understand why in the world they're praising a God that allowed their daughter to die. In their mind, these are the things that they're thinking because God is good and God is worthy of our praise and it might not, the circumstances did not change, but God was able to change them. Through their sacrifice of praise, God was able to, to change them. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. He's saying, if you praise me with your lips, even when it doesn't make sense, you will change. See, our verbal sacrifice of praise is just as effective as when Abraham was on offering up the lamb. When you begin to praise, there's some things I believe that starts to happen. When you begin to worship him in your circumstances, even in your mess, it can be creative. See, it creates something. The Bible tells us when Noah, after going through the flood and destroying the entire earth and all the things he went through on the boat, the very first thing he did when it was over with, the very first thing he did when he opened up the door was to offer a sacrifice to God. The Bible says that God smelled it, and then after that, it created this, this, this analogy or this, this thought that he said, I will never do this again. By, by offering a sacrifice of praise, it can be connective. Psalms 100, 1 through 4 says, For giving thanks, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. He is who made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. It's connective. See, he's saying if you will connect with him, he will fill you with his power and with his grace. Even through the hard times, moving forward, if we praise him, it becomes connective with God. Another thing by praising him and offering up a sacrifice of praise, it is corrective. Psalms 50 and 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his ways rightly, I will show the salvation of God. See, when we begin to praise him, as I said a minute ago, it may not change our pain but it will change our perspective. It might not change the way things are happening to us, but it will change the way we perceive what's going on in our lives. My problem might not go away, but my purpose becomes clear. I still realize that I was created, as we sung a minute ago, we was created to, with the breath of God in our lungs to worship and praise him. A minute ago we read in Hebrews and it says, lift up your hands that hang down. 
meaning praise him over your pain. Even when you don't feel like it and your body is weary and your arms are tired and, and, and your body is tired and you're sick of what's going on in your life, praise him over your pain. When I was reading this morning, going over my notes again, I was reminded of the story of Moses when God told him to lift up his hands and, and continually give him praise. And it says that, that he began to get weak. He began to get tired and his arms began to drop. And the Bible says that Aaron came behind him and lifted up his hands and held up his hands so he can continue to worship and praise. Church, that is our job with, with our fellow brothers and sisters that we know they're going through things and, and there's things that's out of their control and there's things that doesn't make sense and they're going through storms of life and things seem to be going completely wrong. When we see them beginning to lose and it's hard to, to, to take and praise over their pain, we need to come up behind them and lift them up. That's what we believe so strongly about life groups and making that connection and finding people that you can lean on. Find people that will praise with you. Find people that in your life that's going to encourage you to even though when it doesn't make sense and when the pain is real that you can continue to offer a sacrifice of praise. We have to praise them over our pain. And lastly, when we offer a sacrifice of praise, I believe it can be constructive. Philippians 4 and 6. It says, do not worry about, or do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He's saying, stop worrying and start worshiping. So we do this and when we, be able, when we offer this sacrifice of praise and we, we stop worrying and we begin to worship, his peace guards our heart. When you connect with God, it isn't just a spiritual thing, but it can become chemical. When we find ourselves, despite whatever's going on, offering a sacrifice of praise, it literally changes the way our mind begins to be wired. It's hard to then... It's a lot easier to become out of certain things like depression and anxiety and all these things that, that fight us on a daily basis. Our, the way our mind is wired and, and our thoughts begin to be different. See, when you praise God, your circumstances may not change. But you will. You will have more faith. When you praise God over things, even when you face a crisis, even when you feel broken, even when you feel alone, he will fill you with strength. You will not shrink back. You will move forward. By faith and by offering a sacrifice of praise is how we move forward. Once you offer that praise, that's when we find ourselves being able to be patiently waiting for God to fulfill his word. You stand with me this morning. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. When Pastor J.W. texted me this week and told me that he needed me to fill in that his family was not going to be able to be here, uh, he said, you can do one or two things. 
You can come up with a sermon and preach that. Or you can finish our series out for us. And I, like I said a minute ago, I always find it to be a privilege and an honor to close a series. I like that. I like, man, we're, we just came through these weeks of learning about this. Now, God, it's over. Let us go out into the world and let it manifest in our spirit. So I said, I'll finish out our series. Don't worry. It's fine. I began to read this and study this, and I thought, oh, yikes. Man, I should have done a different sermon. This is a hard thing to stand up here and, and preach. It's a hard subject, I feel, lots of times, to, to stand up here, me not knowing what everybody's going through, to look at you and say, whatever it is that you're going through, no matter your brokenness, no matter your, your hurt, no matter the darkness that surrounds you, that it might not get better. That it might not get better as far as it might not change, and those things might still be there, but... It's easy for me to tell you that if you praise God, he will change you. I know it because I believe his word and, and I've experienced it myself. And I've seen it trans, uh, transform people's lives. I've seen it transform my life and the loved ones that, you know what, God, I am in the middle of this storm and I'm in the middle of having this pain and there's nothing I can do about it. But one thing that I can do to offer up a sacrifice, even when I don't feel like it, even when it hurts, even when it doesn't seem like that you care, even when in the midst of all the saying, I can offer up a sacrifice of praise because you, God, are still good. You are still God. I want, I want you always to you all to know that these altars, from the moment we start this, these services are open. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we welcome you to come to these altars. Someone will pray with you. Someone will introduce uh, God to you, and, and, and that's the first step of changing your life. The best decision you could ever make. But I'm going to pray in just a minute, too, and I, I want to pray over your lives, and I want to, you to understand that in the midst of whatever your circumstances is, that God's Word is still there. That God is still there. You have a church that loves you and wants to pray with you and wants to be with you and, and, and have a relationship and be able to lift you up and help you through life. And then I'm going to give you a moment to do that very thing. Knowing what you're going through, knowing, knowing your pain, knowing what's going on in your life, I'm going to ask Pastor Nick to play a song in just a minute, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to praise God through your storm. I'm going to give you an opportunity to lift up your worship to God even though you're hurting, even though you, all you see is darkness around you, you don't see any glimpse of light. You're still going to praise God because God is good. And your circumstances may not change, but you will. God, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for, for the this, this series that you placed in this church, God. God, help us to live by faith. God, I'm thankful for everybody that's standing here today. God, I don't believe that it's by accident that you sent them here. I don't believe that they came here today by accident, God. But I know that there's people here that's hurting. I know there's people here, God, that fight 
demons and darkness and depression and anxiety. God, I know that there's things that's going on in people's lives that I can't understand because I've never been through them, God. I can't stand up here and say, God, that I, that I can relate because I can't. Lord, help us to understand that even in the darkness, even in our brokenness, even through our pain, God, that you love us and that you're a good God. Lord, and tonight, today, God, we ask that you just allow us to feel you today, God. Even if our circumstances doesn't change in this moment, God, help us to feel you today and feel your presence, God. And I ask that you give the freedom and the boldness to not care about what anybody else around them is thinking about me. God, I'm gonna lift up my hands and I'm gonna worship you and I'm going to sacrifice a praise for you, God. Can you do that today? Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made.
love you. We're so thankful for you guys and we're just want to be, encourage you this week that when you, you leave this body of believers and you go out throughout your week and you're back in your circumstance and you're back around the things that maybe have you struggle to lift up a praise through your prayer time at home, through your reading or if you have to take a break at work Anybody find themselves having to take a bathroom break and just walk in there and look in the mirror and say, God, you're going to have to get me through. Been there. It's a once a week thing for me, at least. Know that God loves you. And he's worthy of our praise. And through that praise, we will change. We will move forward and live by faith. We love you. Come back and see us next week.